Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Zechariah has some amazing and glorious prophecies, especially when Israel recognizes its Messiah. In today's program, we're going to have more information on this great event. Stay tuned. Our series is entitled, The Coming King, Understanding the Book of Zechariah, a verse-by-verse commentary. Friends, we need to learn Zechariah. We need to learn it because it's God's Word, the Bible. It's also, more specifically, part of God's prophetic Word. Bible prophecy, as I've long argued, is very, very healthy for us all. It is, of course, 24 to 33% of the whole Bible is dedicated to prophecy. It is called a light that shines in a dark place. It brings establishment, prosperity, edification, comfort to the church, as well as an incentive for evangelism, as well as holy living. It's just plus, plus, plus. Sure, Bible prophecy is detailed at times. Bible prophecy may not always be so clear. Some of the Bible Prophetic utterances speak about judgment, and I know for people who want to feel good, that would not necessarily give them a good day, but the truth is, Bible prophecy brings blessing. Just read the third verse of the first chapter of the book of Revelation. There in Revelation 1-3, you have a written guarantee that God will bless you if you read and heed this book. And if you read and heed Revelation, how much more you will be blessed if you read the whole of the Word of God and take to heart the prophetic passages. One thing for sure, they are not boring. They have much to say about things to come. Now, our segment is based on Zechariah chapter 12, verses 6 to 10. Now, chapter 12 speaks of Jerusalem and its future deliverance. In this particular portion, we have the Lord speaking very strongly in verses 9 and 10 of Zechariah 12. It reads, And it shall come to pass in that day that I, this is the Lord speaking, that I will seek to destroy all nations that come against Jerusalem. Now, what does that sound like when it talks about the Lord destroying the nations coming against Jerusalem. Considering that Jerusalem is called in the scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament. In fact, I'll tell you the exact reference, Psalm 48 verse 2 and Matthew chapter 535, Jerusalem is called the city of the great king. Our series is called the coming king. They are one and the same. The coming king is the great king who will rule from Jerusalem. That's why the nations, motivated by the forces of darkness and Satan, the God small g of this world, will try to stop the coming of the king. Satan knows he will fail, but that doesn't mean he won't give it a good try and bring down as many as he can in the process. So God says he will destroy the nations that come against Jerusalem. And then it continues to say, and I will pour 
upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. I'm not sure if you understand, but this is a remarkable prophecy. It is talking about the long overdue recognition of Messiah by the people of Judah and Jerusalem, or the people of Israel. It's interesting that Messiah's coming is predicted, his rejection by Israel is also predicted, and then his recognition and reception by Israel in the last days also predicted. All of this is made plain in these prophetic passages. I mean, bear in mind this happened, or shall we say, Zechariah dates back to 2500 BC. Rejection of Messiah happened half a millennium later, and now in these last days we look forward to the total fulfillment of this. It says, well, they will look upon me whom they have pierced, and wasn't Jesus the Messiah pierced on the cross? And they will mourn for him as an only son. Yes, because Jesus of Nazareth is son of David, son of Abraham. All right, let's read the entire portion now from Zechariah 12, verses 6 to 10. That reference again, Zechariah 12, verses 6 to 10. Here's that phrase again. In that day will I make the governors of Judah like a hearth of fire among the wood and like a torch of fire in a sheaf, and they shall devour all the people round about on the right hand and on the left. And Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, even in Jerusalem. The Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. This is Zechariah chapter 12, verses 6 to 10. Welcome to the word of the Lord. Let's call this lesson, Israel's eyes are open to Messiah. Remember, the coming of Messiah predicted. The rejection of Messiah predicted. The acceptance of Messiah, particularly in the latter days, predicted. All this came by the foreknowledge of God himself. The same God that stretched forth the heavens, the same God that establishes the foundations of the earth, the same one that forms the spirit in man. This God can do anything, and he tells us ahead of time things to come. Let's begin now with Zechariah 12, verse 6, where it says, In that day, that day of the Lord, we believe, will I make the governors of Judah like a hearth of fire upon the wood, and like a torch of fire in a sheaf, and they shall devour all the people round about on the right hand and on the left hand, and Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, 
even in Jerusalem. So a hearth fire, or a fire hearth, God will make the governors of Judah like a hearth of fire with the wood. They will also be like a torch of fire in a sheaf. All the people on the right hand and the left, meaning the people who besiege Jerusalem, shall be devoured by this fire. But Jerusalem itself, the one that's under siege, will be inhabited again in her own place. She will not be moved from the location that she's always been, bearing in mind there's really not a lot of territory for Jerusalem to occupy since it is between the mountains. And to build a viable city in between the mountains with only a limited source of water takes, well, it takes faith and perseverance. So Judah may be referring to the whole people of Israel when it says, it talks about the governors of Judah and their view of Jerusalem. So, we first of all, these governors of Judah could be regional leaders throughout Israel, and they will be a heart of fire with wood. So, somehow, what you're going to see is a great burning up of the opposition of the enemies, of the conquering, invading forces that are trying to take Jerusalem. We learned this in the previous lesson. Jerusalem, in the previous lesson, would be a cup of reeling for the besieging neighbors, and then Jerusalem would become a burdensome stone for all people. Again, that's Zechariah 12.3. Jerusalem as a burdensome stone will cut all people to pieces. Whoever tries to come against Jerusalem or do anything against God's will. That's why if we take these verses to heart, we need to be very careful of how we handle the current Middle East crisis or impasse. We need the wisdom of Solomon to basically tippy-toe through this minefield. Then it talks about glory to Judah first. First, over who? Well, you'll see, against Jerusalem. It says, the Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. So what is God saying? He's making a point here. God wants to save, quote-unquote, the tents of Judah first before the house of David and his capital at Jerusalem. Why is that? It appears that God does not want them to have a greater honor than Judah or as it says in the text, to magnify themselves against Judah. So we're talking about that three components here. The first is the house of David, which is the royal family. The second is Jerusalem, the inhabitants thereof. And the other are the governors of Judah, the tents of Judah. So I, again, think Zechariah is referring to regional leaders throughout national Israel. He doesn't want them to miss out or the house of David and Judah, to get a big head. No, God wants, shall we say, the right attitude and the humble attitude. And this is not surprising because the scripture tells us God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then look what happens even to the feeblest in Jerusalem itself. In Zechariah 12, verse 8, it says, In that day, there's that phrase again, in that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. Well, friends, just think of it this way. If God's going to go through all this effort 
to defend Judah and Jerusalem. First of all, why is he defending them? Because they belong to him. They are his people, his city. Well, do you think that if God will defend them, and to the uttermost extent, as we see here in Zechariah, won't God defend you as well? Defend me, defend all who've come to him through faith in Jesus? Of course God will defend. He is, how should we say it, not only is he all-powerful, but he will protect those that are his. After all, we have the 23rd Psalm, and the 23rd Psalm speaks about God as a good shepherd. One of the aspects, or shall we say job descriptions, of a good shepherd is that he protects the sheep, and he indeed defends the sheep. David did that. He slew a lion. He slew a bear because they threatened his sheep. God does the same. He is one to protect those that come to him. And he ever lives, ever lives to defend his people. So just as he does for Judah and Jerusalem, make no mistake about it, he will do it for you too. But the key is you need to trust in God with all of your heart, all of the time, bearing in mind that those that trust God receive manifold, glorious, and priceless benefits. So after Judah is saved, in that day, the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. It says even the feeble among them will be at that day as David. So the feeble will be like David. And what was David? Well, apart from being a good shepherd, David was a mighty and successful warrior. In fact, he was actually too successful, too much blood on his hands. And for that reason, God said, you can't build my temple in Jerusalem. Now, the house of David, which represents the messianic lineage, will be as God. And this is God saying this. The house of David is God because, indeed, it's the Son of God, the Son of David, who's coming to take over. He's coming to take over as King of Kings and Lord of Lords and to sit on David's throne in the holy city. We also read in Zechariah 12, 8, that the angel of the Lord will go ahead of them. So this is good, but now we get to verse 9. Of Zechariah 12. And it shall come to pass in the day that I will seek to destroy all nations that come against Jerusalem. This is the time of divine godly retribution, where the Lord will seek to destroy these nations who sought to destroy his city and his people. Very possibly, this is a reference to this gathering and conflict that we call Armageddon. Armageddon is mentioned once. In Revelation 16, 16, it's a gathering place of rebellious nations who will seek to attack that which belongs to the Lord. The actual valley of Armageddon doesn't have a whole lot to battle over, but it is a great gathering place to assemble troops to battle over something which is nearby, namely the city of Jerusalem to the south. Then we get that final verse, Zechariah 12, verse 10. Listen carefully to this amazing prophecy, Zechariah 12.10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. This potent prophecy speaks of some very powerful things. First, 
that Almighty God will pour out the spirit of grace and supplication on the house of David and the people of Jerusalem, the Jewish people. And this is, that's the first thing. The Holy Spirit or the Spirit of grace and supplication, we pour it out on them in that day. Now, of course, in that day, they've just gone through a horrific experience of being besieged by neighbors and also the prospect of being besieged by the nations as well as the neighbors. So after coming through the fire and passing through his gold, the spirit of grace and supplication will come upon them because the Jewish people, in this case, at their wit's end with Antichrist's global invasion, turns to the one whom they have pierced. It's interesting. It doesn't just say whom the person whom they have pierced, but they'll look on me whom they have pierced. Isn't this God speaking when he talks about this? I mean, is it, after all, only God that can pour out the Holy Spirit? And here it says they have pierced God, the same one that's pouring out the Spirit of grace and supplication. Who, who is this? We believe Zechariah 12.10 is spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, I believe he's speaking. After all, we know from a New Testament point of view that Christ pours out or sends the Holy Spirit. That is, John the Baptist testified repeatedly that when Jesus comes, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So the same one that pours out the Holy Spirit, the same one speaking from heaven, the same one whom they have pierced, because he refers to himself in the first person, is no one less than Jesus of Nazareth. It can be no one else. Absolutely. They will look upon me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as an only son, and be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for their firstborn. This verse reminds me of the reunion between Joseph and his brothers. The reunion happened in Egypt. Joseph is prime minister of Egypt. His brothers, of course, forsook him, despised him, sold him into slavery, not realizing he had been promoted to this high office in Egypt. They didn't recognize him. But once they recognized him, they were in utter shock. Now, our lesson is entitled, Israel's Eyes Are Open to Messiah. And our lesson for life, if God promises to defend his ancient covenant people, you can be sure he will defend you too, because our God never changes. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to our homepage, where you can subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter, helping you to become future-ready on a monthly basis through articles on the Scripture, victorious living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that through the Holy Spirit, we are able to see the things that were not possible before. The same Holy Spirit that causes eyes to be opened to recognizing Messiah is the same one that can open up our eyes and hearts to Jesus, his mission, the blessing he gives to his people, and much, much more. All of this we rejoice in through Christ the King. Amen. Amen. 
Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.